Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. I am the founder of the Revenue Collective. Uh, we are uh, the exclusive community for commercial executives at growth companies all over the world. We're in Denver, New York, Boston, London, Toronto, Amsterdam. Those are our official cities, but we've been signing up people, sales leaders, commercial leaders, marketing leaders from all over. Uh, some of the folks include Kyle Lacey, the VP of Marketing at Lessonly. He's based in Indianapolis. Kyle Heron, who, uh, who's running a sales team for Mind Gym. He's based in Houston. A group of people from Calgary and Western Canada. So if you're a sales leader out there, a commercial leader, or a marketing leader, VP level or above, we don't, uh, we, we don't currently permit folks that are below the VP level. But if you're VP level or above, reach out to me over LinkedIn and we'll see if we can get you involved. It's really an incredible, an incredible community that's been growing by leaps and bounds. But that's not the point. Today, the point is the Sales Hacker podcast and the fact that we've got Max Altshuler, the founder of Sales Hacker, on the show. And I think you want to listen to Max, not just for sales advice, but for life advice. Max has a unique perspective on how to live your life, how to build your life, how to solve problems, and how to work backwards from your goals. And he thinks about things in a very engineering, systematic way that, frankly, I find very, very inspiring. And of course, we're here at Unleash, and today we are releasing, or at least this week, the the new book that Max has written, I think co-authored with Manny Medina, the CEO of Outreach, all about sales engagement. I think it's called, actually, Sales Engagement. And so we want you to pick up that book at Amazon, but also we want you to listen to this amazing interview. Now, of course, today's show has sponsors, and we must thank our sponsors. They are our corporate overlords. They pay the bills. So bills must be paid. And as uh, Sheree says from the Real Housewives of Atlanta, love don't pay my bills. But these particular sponsors do pay our bills. The first is Chorus.ai, the leading conversation intelligence platform for high growth sales teams. Chorus records, transcribes, analyzes business conversations in real time to coach reps on how to become top performers. With Chorus.ai, more reps meet quota, new hires ramp faster, leaders become better coaches, and everyone in the organization can collaborate over the actual voice of the customer. So check out Chorus.ai forward slash sales hacker to see what they're up to. And our second sponsor is our friendly neighborhood outreach, the leading sales engagement platform. Outreach supports sales reps by enabling them to create communications at large scale that still retain authenticity, vulnerability, and humanity. So that's really, really important. They also automate a lot of the crap work that eats up selling time, and they provide action-oriented tips using data on what communications are working best. So Outreach has the back of the folks that are working on sales and customer engagement. So those are our great sponsors. We thank you for listening. Uh, we've got Max on the show right now. And without further ado, let's listen to Max Altschuler, founder of Sales Hacker, VP of Marketing and Outreach, co-author of Sales Engagement, the book. And let's listen to how he approaches building a career, hacking sales, hacking his career, and managing his life. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. It's Sam Jacobs. Welcome back to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest because we have the founder of Sales Hacker on the show, Max Altschuler. I don't have a full bio in front of me, but I'll tell you this about Max. He's currently VP of Marketing and Outreach. He started Sales Hacker years ago from nothing, built it up into a business, was then acquired by Outreach. It's still an independent entity. Earlier in his career, he worked at Udemy, and he's also written a few books. The first one, 
one, I believe, was Hacking Sales. I think the second one is called Hacking Careers, if I'm not mistaken. He'll correct me. And he's got a third book coming out that we're going to talk about in the show. And he's also just an incredible entrepreneur. And so we're excited to have him on the show. Max, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the second book is Career Hacking. Career Hacking. Okay. And then what's the, we're, we're going to talk about it later, but what's the name of the third book? Uh, sales Engagement. All right. We love yeah. sales engagement. It's important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So baseball card time, Max. Your name is Max Altshuler. Where are you working these days? So uh, still CEO of Sales Hacker. So completely separate entity from Outreach, but VP of Marketing at Outreach also. We keep a hard wall up, as you can tell from being a Sales Hacker subscriber. Our marketing automation and CRMs are completely different. The teams are separate. So working on both of those right now, two full-time jobs. You're like... Um, um, Whatchamacallit, Jack, Jack Dorsey. It's a lot of fun. That's actually, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> All right. So we know what Sales Hacker is and we know what Outreach is, but it's always good to hear it from the perspective of somebody that started that company or works there. So first Sales Hacker, how would you describe Sales Hacker? Yeah, it's the leading resource for all things B2B. So anybody who's looking to innovate in sales training, sales technology, sales recruiting, really all things around B2B sales. And we want we we definitely started in the, you know, tech vertical and a lot of things were applicable to people selling into tech companies, but we want to continue to expand to new verticals. So you'll start seeing content on Sales Hacker shortly that is is not just tech specific, but you know, fire, I think it's finance, uh, real estate, insurance, uh, there's some other verticals, manufacturing, healthcare that we want to make sure we're we're coming out with innovative new content for. We think that sales as as a profession has really turned a corner. It's not, you know, gone are the days of the aggressive snake oil salesman and now it's the consultative, empathetic led sale. And you're starting to see people who, you know, would come out of Ivy League schools and go into investment banking jobs right away, go into sales jobs at SaaS companies. And, you know, uh, software is eating the world and breaking into a lot of these different verticals. And we want to be able to support the growth of this profession beyond just, uh, you know, the tech companies that exist right now. So you'll start to see that that content expand. But, you know, we're here to support in a lot of different ways. We have conferences, webinars, podcasts, you know, our, our blog, which is growing like crazy. And uh, it's been it's been an exciting ride since uh, we started about almost five years ago. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And now because you're you have two roles, we're gonna give you the opportunity. I mean, we know what outreach does, but in your words, I guess, you know, you're the VP of marketing. We obviously tell us what outreach does, but tell us why you're so excited about the company as well. Yeah. So really excited about the company because it's your your system of engagement or your application of activity, the one place you can go to do all of your prospect and customer engagement activities. It's your one single pane of glass that you can do that from. And I think that, you know, the buyer has more options than ever before. There are more channels than ever before, more mediums for there to learn, more ways for you to connect with them. And so you have to have a platform that allows you to take advantage of all those different modern channels. So this is modern sales. Phone and email are no longer enough. And you need to be, you know, where something can integrate with a chat platform, where some where you can, you know, send somebody a one-to-one personalized video if that's the way that they like to be sold to, or you can text or use, you know, LinkedIn to get through to somebody or direct mail all in one platform and really optimize that over time by A-B testing the content that you're putting out, the channel that you're doing it on, and cloning your best reps. You know, If you see somebody on your team that's doing certain activities in a sequence and 
you know, that's working, you can replicate that across the rest of your team. So you really can take your team to a new level of efficiency. And I think that's, that's what a sales engagement platform gives you. And that's what outreach gives you. And, you know, we're, I know the fastest growing company in the space. And I know there's a lot of companies out there, uh, competing with us, but it's definitely, um, we're seeing in the market and, and, and the response we're getting from, you know, our new customers that, you know, it's, it's really working. We're really hitting on something. Well, uh, we're excited and uh, I, we, we think you've chosen some great communities to support through sponsorship as well. So we, we tip our hats to you. Very excited. Uh, <laughs> so, collective. Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. While we're talking about outreach, how big is your marketing work? Just walk us through, you know, we, we talk to a lot of sales leaders and they walk us through the SDR team, et cetera. But it's been really interesting for me to learn about how you've structured your marketing organization. So just give us all of how big is the team? What are the different functions that you are running as VP of marketing at outreach? Yeah. So we're somewhere between 30 and 40 and, you know, sales hackers, is its own team that's uh, kind of under the marketing umbrella. So, you know, that's just overall building the sales community there. So the sales hacker team is probably around four or five in the US. And then we have four in the Philippines, two in Pune, India. Then we have our demand gen team, which actually covers ABM, demand gen field marketing that's based out in San Francisco. Uh, So there's another, I'd say like six or eight on that team. We have got a customer marketing team that's based in Seattle. We have two there. We have a product marketing team that covers communication, so AR and PR, product marketing. We've got a, a two-person video team, so I'd say that whole team is about eight as well right now. And then we have an events team that's another two people. So did I get all that covered? Yeah, <laughs> I, it ends up being like thirty or forty. But you know, I was a, I was in sales for a long time, and obviously, you know, are, are deeply understanding of the salesperson and and their day to day. So we work really closely with our sales organization. It's been a lot of fun to to be on this side of the fence and be inside and working with our RVPs and our sales development leaders and our sales ops team and making sure that we are striving for another level of sales and marketing alignment. So that's our marketing team, but I really do feel like we are like one big revenue organization and there's there's a lot of things that we're touching. I feel like a, I'm I'm managing or deeply involved in a lot of the sales process and day to day and then my like my third job outside of running you know sales hacker and outreach is the fact that I'm you know somewhat of a brand or influential or you know have a network in this space I'm brought into to deals you know when I can be can be helpful good well you're you're often helpful that's been my experience with you yeah. what when we let's learn a little bit about about you because uh, you know your background's interesting you are an entrepreneur you started sales hacker i know that you're an investor and advisor in a bunch of different companies and and then you're a vp of marketing and outreach where where did you grow up how did you get how how did we end up here I, I know that you worked at udemy but give us a little bit about your background yeah so uh i was not a very good student so I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, but the one thing I really liked was architecture, and uh, I always wanted to be an architect, like building stuff. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Long Island, Syosset. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so North Shore, Long Island, maybe like ten, twenty minutes outside of Queens. Spent eighteen years there. Went out to Arizona State for college. Was an architecture major. Was studying architecture when the housing market crashed in oh seven oh eight. And called my dad. I was like, "What do I do? Do I graduate with a degree I'm not going to be able to use?" So I, I cashed that in um, and said, okay, I, I need to do something else. So I, I found out there was this thing called the Bachelor of Interdisciplinary Studies. 
And it also stood for barely in school because it was like a really, <laughs> really easy way to graduate. It's basically two minors equal a major. And so I, all I had to do was take the rest of my credits in uh, business credits and I can do a BIS in business and design. So while I was doing that, I started a bike share program, won a business competition, won a grant from the university, ended up getting exclusive rights to commercial bike sharing, a contract signed by, I think it was like the university president and the university architect. So we were really moving, but again, it was right after a recession and nobody was going to give three 23-year-olds a couple million bucks to manufacture bikes and bike racks. So that business failed. I graduated around the same time. And my goal was to make American money while living abroad. So I put myself in a room in my apartment for two weeks and told a couple friends about it. Two friends who hated their jobs ended up coming out. And we like locked ourselves in, the, in this room with a bunch of Red Bull and Adderall and five-hour energies and some beer and stuff and hammered out a business. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, we, we sold 5K worth of social media, you know, a bunch of different things, whatever we slapped together in the two weeks we were there. So we were like, all right, let's, uh, let's see if this thing has legs. So over the next month, we ran it from uh from the u.s but what, then, what were you sell where were you you where was this room full of was, adderall and we were at, yeah we were out in uh in arizona still by college and you and were then, selling social media what do you mean selling social media yeah so we were selling social media services so remember when like facebook had business pages and you they they were all different uh-huh. you could like, build out iframes and things like that we were doing that and we were like outsourcing the work to the Philippines, the dev work, and we were servicing the pages ourselves and we were charging monthly. So we were working with like small, small businesses, like restaurant owners, residential real estate agents, things like that. And so we, we took it to Costa Rica and Nicaragua for about five months and ran it from there. It was a lot of fun and still continuing the whole Adderall Red Bull um, <laughs> working thing. But um, let's not advocate Adderall too much. Yeah, it's, no, it's an interesting it, thing. It, it definitely is. Yeah. Don't go out and get a bunch of Adderall. But um, it got me through that time in my life. Actually, I've been caffeine free and definitely haven't touched Adderall in uh, seven years. So wow, um, no caffeine for me. But um, but yeah, that led me to Udemy. We were trying to teach ourselves how to how to code, and you know the Costa Rica thing was fun. But you know, I was like, okay, time to get real and. Uh, went up to San Francisco, went through seven hours of interviews at Udemy, ended up getting the the BD job um, for one of the, the, it was the first sales hire and one of the first business development people at the company. And we were a small seed stage company and uh, I was there through their seed A and B rounds. And that's where I built out these um, processes that we called sales hacking, where we were farming out our sales development team to the Philippines using one of the earliest sales engagement softwares, um, ToutApp, which I don't think exists anymore under Marketo, then Adobe through the series of acquisitions. But uh, we're using keyword SEO, SEO keyword tools to put together search strings that our virtual assistants could use to go out and find leads. Like it was really interesting stuff. And I started a meetup, invite only meetup around it. Started getting a couple cool guys together to talk about all this stuff, just geek out on all things sales. Ryan Buckley was one of the early guys in there and he was building Python scripts to scrape Crunchbase. We had Xander Ford in there, who at the time was the head of sales at BlueKai, which then sold to Oracle for a couple hundred million. We had Matt Ellsworth in there. He was at Storefront. I just raised a, a large Series A. So we met monthly with that sales hacker group. And then I went from Udemy to a company called Attorney Fee. Attorney Fee sold to LegalZoom. I didn't want to move to Austin and switch to marketing at the time. So 
I retired from that role and uh, said to the group at our next meetup, which happened to be two days later, hey, who here would be interested if we you know, built a sales hacker conference? And um, in the room, it had grown because we were invite only and we said only bring people who add value. In that room, we had Jason Lemkin, who had just sold Adobe, uh, EchoSign to Adobe. We had Doug Landis, who was the VP of Sales Productivity at Box at the time. We had Armando Mann, who was the VP of Sales at Relate IQ at the time, pre $390 million acquisition to Salesforce. We had Matt Cameron in the room, who had just taken on the VP of Sales at Scripted Job, and he was the VP of Worldwide Sales at Yammer previously. So we had some heavy hitters on there that could that could grace the stage and give us a, a pretty good game plan on you know how to build you know modern sales process. Did Lemkin steal Saster from this idea? Uh no, no. He was doing <laughs> he was doing Saster Quora posts for a long time. But we'll, we'll actually get to that. So so I started the conference, ran it myself in four weeks. We had three hundred people there, made sixty k in profit, and was like, oh shit, there's a business here. Like, I wonder what this will look like. That was uh, September of 2013. Ran the first conference. Then I took some time off to see if I, you know, wanted to go start a tech company or be an early sales hire. See what was around. And you know, holiday season came and, and went, and didn't find anything that interesting. And uh, February rolled around. I was like, let's see if I could do this in New York. So I ran the New York event. It was like six weeks. Made 50k on that one. I was like, all right, let's let's see what's here. Started uh, started the blog. Started webinars. Made our first hire. And you know, found ways to monetize the some of the meetups that we were doing. So we started like a whole meetup series, and we're just trying throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what stuck, seeing what was profitable, seeing what people wanted, and how they wanted to learn. And um, uh, so a year after the first conference, Jason Lemkin pinged me and he's like, "Hey, want to do a conference? Can you help?" And he's like, "That's how he writes emails. They're like super short." So I was like, "Yeah, sure, happy to help like, help promote it." And he's like, "No, I need you to like do the work." And I need you to like actually organize it. And I was like, okay, well, for the right, you know, uh, profit <laughs> share. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm uh, happy to do it. So we, we struck I'll a deal. I'll do anything for money, Jason. Anything. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and it was super helpful. We made, uh, we made a lot of money off the, the SASTA relationship that ended up helping fund a lot of things on that we wouldn't have been able to do uh, for Sales Hacker had we not had that. And, you know, it came at the right time. And we were able to focus on you know both Sales Hacker and Saster for the time that we had it. So that's how that relationship blossomed. And uh, now he's doing a fantastic job growing that growing that business, and, and he raised the fund on top of it. And and so we kept trucking with Sales Hacker and um, started doing the webinars. Started to realize that events were getting very saturated. It was tough to, for us to compete with you know a bunch of these companies who had a lot of money to throw behind their conferences. So we kind of pivoted and we took the business in a direction where it was more digital and, you know, experimented with online training, started ramping up our webinar program, launched the podcast. The podcast is even a funny story. My team, we did a poll to our audience and we asked a leading question because my team really wanted a podcast. So people, of course, voted for a podcast. So I said to my team, I was like, listen, the only, re- the only way we're doing a sales podcast if, is if we have a different format than every other sales podcast out there and if we have the right host. And so you were my first person that I went directly to. And I was like, Sam, I need you, if we're going to do a podcast, I need you to run it. And you're like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So, <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> yeah. I needed somebody who could talk the talk, but was also engaging you know, how did you I, even know who I was at that time? Yeah, 
Well, at that time, we had already been, you know, friends through the New York, you know, sales tech scene and stuff right, like that. Yeah, so I already knew you, but you know, your your reputation precedes you, and now it's growing with the Revenue Collective and uh, you know the podcast, and you know, we're getting six thousand downloads a week. Downloads a week. I mean, that, that's it's a pretty damn good. Thing. Yeah, it's an amazing story. I have. I want to. I want to dive deeper because it just. When you think about yourself and you self-reflect, and I know that you do it a lot, mm-hmm. you know, you've never had a traditional career and you've always seemed to be able to, you know, the way I describe you to other people sometimes is Max is a guy that can see the matrix. You know, you, you understand how life and specifically business works and you understand how to take advantage of the mechanics of business to generate opportunity, to generate profit. Mm-hmm. What do you attribute that skill to? Is it just something that came, you know, you're doing a bike share at ASU. Is it something that comes naturally to you? Where does it come from, this entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, my dad likes to say that we have like part Romanian descent or whatever. So like we're part gypsy or something like that. I don't know. I I believe it. There's like, there's some level of intuition or like wisdom that was passed down from him that I got. He's a financial advisor and he's a relationship guy. And some of the things that I'm that I'm good at are like, wow, I don't I don't know where I pick this up. I don't know where I learn this, like a sixth sense almost. So I don't know how to how to teach it or how to tell people to to do it. Some of those things just make sense. How did you figure out so early on, you're 23 years old and you immediately are thinking about low cost production and how you outsource things to the Philippines. What was the origin of that idea? Yeah, so um, it's one of the things that you, you an idea that you throw at the wall and it works, and you're like, okay, why does this work? And then I'm like, all right, well, I understand the background now. It's like, how do I leverage this? How do I how do I get more mileage out of this? And I think a lot of the things that I've been successful with in my life has just been a series of tests. I think that's why I like outreach so much, and that's why I like the product is because your entire outreach is a series of tests, is optimizing. Your playbooks, it is optimizing your channels, it's optimizing over time with data, with analytics, how you do things. So you can approach a problem from a million different ways. And when you get stuck, you know, you have to think of a different way. So, you know, when I do, one of the reasons why I like giving people career advice so much is because typically they're only thinking about it in one way and they haven't tried to turn the problem on its head. So, you know, I was with somebody the other night. And I was giving them some career advice, and because they're they're looking for a new role, they don't know what they want to do do next. But you know, they, they'd like this one to to potentially be the last one that they need to do. And they're like, yeah, you know, I here's what I'm thinking in salary. Here's how I'm thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. Like, if you just told me that this is the last role that you want to to have, then salary is not what you need to be thinking about. Equity is. And if you're thinking about this is the last role that you want to do because you want to retire after. Then what is that number that you need to hit if it's successful and in how many years? So if you're sitting there and you're saying, well, like 10 after taxes is my number, that means you need to maybe hit, you know, 12 to 15 million on the upside. And if you're saying, oh, I got like seven years left in me, then okay, you can join an early enough company, but here's the equity percent that you're need to, you're gonna need to take at that company. And oh, by the way, it's a huge risk, but at least you have the shot for retirement in the next five to seven years at your number, if that's how you want to think about it. And so this person went from thinking about like getting rich and getting to their number in salary over the next seven years to like, oh, well, this is how you're going to do it. You know, like people don't get, people build wealth and they do that through salaries. 
through high salaries. People get rich in chunks. They do that by owning pieces of things. And most people just don't, they don't think like that. There's no, there's no education system that ever told them to, to look at things in that light. And nobody ever said like, Hey, if you're having a problem solving something, try and solve it backwards. Like there's just, there's no training on that, but there are things you learn working in startups when you work with really smart people who think about other problems in those ways. Like if you, if you work with engineers or product people often, you'll start understanding how they think about problems and you can actually use their frame of reference on other pieces of your life, like flipping the endpoint or flipping the starting point to the endpoint when you're coming up with a solution for a problem. That's something I learned from people running product at, at startups. And now I'm using in giving career advice. It's great advice. Tell us about where did the books come from and how, how do those play into your strategy? And then I, you know, I, we're going to talk about the third book, but I actually have some different questions as well about sort of modern marketing, because I'm sure you have some great insights, but mm -hmm. you know, you're running all these businesses. When did you have time? I think the story of where you wrote the book is fascinating. Your structure for how to do it is all just a perfect example of how you approach problem solving. So walk us through the story of writing the first book and then the next couple of books. Yeah. So the first book was supposed to be an ebook and I was on my way to Bali, you know, when I was running sales hacker, we were a remote company. So I spent, you know, four or five years in a row doing Decembers over, you know, Christmas and New Year's in Asia and writing a book in Asia is a lot easier than writing a book in the U S especially during that time of year, because you have a lot less distractions during your waking hours. You know, I'm, I'm getting up in Asia when everybody's going to sleep in the US. I got eight hours uninterrupted, no emails coming in, nothing, nothing that I have to be reactive on. So it's a really good place to, to sit down and crank. What you need to do when you show up to sit down and write that book is have a really detailed outline. So over time, you keep a Google Doc, you keep throwing, you know, okay, here are the 12 chapters that we're going to have. And then here are the sub chapters and here are the subtopics under those. And then when you start, you know, a, a bright idea strikes, you have a, another subtopic or, you know, something you fill out under that one. What it ends up being is this long skeleton of everything that you want to write on. Once you have the chance to actually sit down and write where people go wrong when they write books is like, they, they think they're going to have a chance to write and you can't like write an hour at a time when you're on a roll you got to stay on a roll. So if like you have a life around you writing a book, you're just never going to get it done. So you have to go somewhere and carve out six days, have an outline that you come prepared with and just get ready and go crank, go crank it out, stay on a roll and write until you're not on a roll anymore. And, um, so that's how I wrote the first book. I actually, I built the outline on the flight over and that was like 10 to 12 hours worth of work. And, um, I sent out a type form to a bunch of different technology vendors that are included in the book and said like, Hey, what would you want people to know about your product? And so I was able to use some of that information in the book. So maybe 10,000 words of the 30,000 word book, you know, a third of the book was information I got from the CEOs of these vendors. So now I had 20,000 words, you know, a third of the book's done. And the outline came out to be, I don't know, the, the first part of the book, first finished version of the book was 27,000 words and then uh, ended up in editing at like 31,000. So I wrote the book in six days in Bali, cranked it out, self-published it, 
sold about 30,000 copies after 10 months, sold the rights to Wiley. And uh, I'd say if you're writing a book and you want to sell a lot of copies, you know, it's good to have a newsletter like Sales Hacker to launch to um, prior. Um, second book was similar. I actually wrote each chapter as a uh, 1300 word update in LinkedIn. So LinkedIn updates and 1300 words is the, is the cap. Oh, it's actually 1300 characters. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the cap there. So I kept a Google doc of every LinkedIn update that I wrote on career hacking for about six months and what the engagement was on those. So I knew which was my best content, which to play to. And then uh, when I went to Bali, I uh, built the outline, wrote the book in like three days, 30,000 words again, and uh, and cranked it out. And this is Wiley owns this one too? So that one was self-published. The third one that's coming out in March is the book on sales engagement. And that one was way more of a team effort. You know, we had a lot of customers in there. I think you have a section in there. There's when when you're writing a book, especially at the the depth that we wanted to go on this subject, we wanted to highlight our customers and and people that were were doing this right. Like, hey, don't take our word for it. Like, here's how this company's doing it. Here's how these people are thinking about it. In I think like in the past, previous books I don't know if the structure of like the world was there in a way where you can get this information so easily from other people. Like, just everybody's on email all the time now. So when you write a book, I mean, I realize that I don't know everything. Like, not even fucking close. Uh, am I allowed to curse on the show? It is. It was, uh, of course, you're allowed to curse. <laughs> Come on, man. I realize I don't know everything, right? So, like, <laughs> I, if I can go to an expert that's been doing that specialty longer than I have, I want to pick their brain and I want to put that out into the world. So that's how we think about these things: is l- let's get other people to chime in and and lend their expertise. So, career hacking is the only one that like is all my my expertise. The other books, like we we definitely included snippets and things from other experts and wanted to highlight those. So the book is sales engagement. So is it, and it's a co-author with Manny, is that right? Yeah. Me, Manny and our VP of sales, Mark Casaglo, who was, he was like one of the first sales reps for outreach has been here since the very beginning and very science of sales driven kind of guy. So what, tell us about the book. What are the main, if there's three to five key principles of the book that we should take away from it, what are they? Yeah, so we're going to go really deep into omni-channel outreach and why it's so important. And so how to leverage one-to-one video, chat, LinkedIn, SMS, email, voice, direct mail, you name it, in your sales process. And kind of how to like triangulate all those things to make sure you're doing the right things for the right persona. We did a sales engagement survey with Sales Hacker, The Bridge Group, and Modern Sales Pros late last year and we pulled about 800 and I think it was 884 or something like that sales leaders and asked them about their buying preferences and what ended up happening is we had all these breakdowns on how people like to buy so like if you're selling to a sales operations person or an operations person in general really like anybody in IT their daily lives they're sitting in front of two screens so do you think calling them or leaving a voicemail or texting them is going to be a great way to, to interact with them? No, you want to get them on one of those screens. Where, where can you go to get them on one of those screens? Personalized video, email, LinkedIn. 
those are going to have a higher chance of success with somebody like that versus a salesperson or a senior executive who lives out of their phone. So voice, any kind of uh, phone call, voicemail, text message, you might have a lot higher rate of connecting with that person if you're connecting with them on their phone. So we're going to talk about all about omni-channel outreach. We're going to talk a lot about A-B testing. We've got a lot of internal data that we're releasing in the book about kind of what we see and what our best practices are based on you know what the data says. So we'll talk a lot about A-B testing. We'll talk a lot about account-based sales development, account-based marketing, and how you can really leverage that and go um, you know, whale hunting, so to speak, in the modern era of uh, sales engagement. And we'll talk about kind of managing and coaching and getting the most out of your reps and, and replicating best practices across your team. And there's so much more in there. I mean, it's just chock full of actionable information in the sales engagement, you know, the modern sales era and how to get the most out of, you know, engaging with customers and prospects to close new business and, you know, land expansions and and upsells and everything else. So one of the companies that I consult for was Mm -hmm. saying that their connect rates on cold calls have declined from 11% to 7% Mm -hmm. over, you know, some period of time, six months or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was basically, and then of course, you know, all of us are getting predictable revenue style, you know, email templates into our, and then I'm, you know, the the LinkedIn stuff is just insane because it just has no point. You know, I came, I stumbled. I love it when they say I stumbled, I stumbled across your profile and I thought we should connect. So my question is, are you all seeing a decline in response rates? Is it harder to connect with people in general? And that's why we have to go omni-channel. Is omni-channel, does it break through? And so you can get the same response rates that we used to get five to 10 years ago. What, what are you all seeing in terms of the effectiveness of initial sales engagement? There's no cost to call somebody, like, really. I mean, it's what, uh, fractions of pennies if you if if you actually do have some kind of software that does voice minutes and there's no cost email. So both those channels are free. Imagine how saturated they're going to be. And they're the only ones that people are really trying right now. LinkedIn was working for a while and now that's getting saturated because people are picking up on it. So the channels that work tend to cycle. You know, direct mail worked for a long time in the advertising days and then people went to phone and email because it was a lot easier and it was cheaper. You didn't have to pay for postage or anything like that. And it was easy to do. And there was no gate, you know, no gatekeeper or anything like that. You could just send it or call it, dial it, whatever. Data is so much more available now than ever before. And so there's it's just a lot easier to do those things. So a lot more people are going to do it. So that means it's saturated. So what do you need to do? You need to find other ways to access them. So direct mail is back. You know, you need to get creative. And you know, if LinkedIn's not working, you know, are, are there points in which or people to which you think you can text? Is you know, one-to-one personalized video going to work for you? Is that something that's going to stick out differently than you know the generic you know uh, templated email that everybody's sending? I think it's it's really the only way to get in now is to make sure you're leveraging a lot of these different channels. And if you're only selling to SMBs, then you need to to build more of an inbound motion. But I think for a lot of people that are selling to mid-market and above, you got to go outbound. It's the, it's the only way to get them. I don't think cold calling is dead, but you need to have a sequence of events around your cold call. It needs to be a call and a voicemail, then an email that alludes to that, then a you know LinkedIn connection, and um, at the same time they get you know a package at their door delivered, and then at the same time you know, all these other things are happening. 
you know, over a series of days or the series of events. And I think that's really important to, to connect it all together and to make, make it actually work. Yeah, now outreach can do that, of course. So mm-hmm. that's a powerful component of the platform. Yeah. I have a, another question. This is a personal, I'm not, I'm trying to figure out how I should be thinking about it. So we're on LinkedIn. Everybody's on LinkedIn. I'm seeing more and more of the videos where the person is sort of walking down the street or in their home office in some ways, kind of like, what do you think about LinkedIn? That's sort of like the big question. The sub question is a lot of people seem to be trying to become Gary V on LinkedIn. And I'm just not, I guess, as somebody that is savvy enough and sophisticated enough to have a, an informed perspective on whether this stuff works or not. What are your thoughts on, you know, the feed, the LinkedIn feed at this point is just, is full of, it feels like snake oil salesmen sometimes. It just feels like a lot of people pushing themselves in a weird way. And I'm not even quite sure what I'm supposed to be buying from them. What do you Yeah, think? there's a lot of crap out there for sure. But I think there are also people that are trying to add value without trying to sell anything. Just, you know, here's, here's, here's some advice from me in my 20 years of sales. I actually like that stuff. And I think, you know, when I wrote my first, before I wrote any books, before I wrote a blog post for Sales Hacker, I had a blog called Max Talks Hacks. And I had like four blog posts queued up about some of the cool stuff I was doing at Udemy. This was really early in my career. I was I was a nobody, you know, early sales guy at Udemy, but like wasn't I didn't have a brand or anything like that. Like nobody knew me from the whole wall. But I was doing some cool stuff. And I thought it was cool, but I didn't know if like other people would think that it was useful. I didn't know if everybody like, haha, we we know that. Like this is one oh one stuff. Like get out of here, little kid, you know? And so I, I wrote them up, but I was really shy about getting them out there. And I remember a buddy of mine read it and he's like, This is awesome. Like you gotta get this out there. And I was like, Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like I'm just a little shy about it. Like, you know, I'm just I don't know if I want it if I want to do it's like if it helps one person it's worth it right I'm like yeah I guess it's a good way of thinking about it so I got it out there and I started helping people and I think it's the same thing on LinkedIn right now it's like you could you could hold it inside or like not do anything but if you have some advice and you get one like or you know one person to look at it and think that it's helpful then it's worth sharing and I think if you consistently do that over time as long as you know you're you're coming from a place of wanting to help people that yeah, it's the, that's your right on a social network to keep sharing and sharing things that are valuable or value driven or you know that can help people and you'll build a network and then those people will like things and that'll be amplified and you'll get other people into your funnel. And I think it's a great way to 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 get people into your funnel, into your sales funnel, but you have to you have to provide value. You have to do it authentically and you have to genuinely like doing it because you have to do it over a long period of time. It's not going to just come overnight. Like you have to keep doing it. And there's going to be a bunch of people that do it poorly on LinkedIn and they're just in your feed and it sucks and you should unfollow them, but there is, you know, some circus stuff in there, but for the most part, I think it's good. I think it's amplifying people's networks and uh people are getting to know people better on- online and instead of having to go to conferences to do it and you know, we're we're definitely taking advantage of it at uh, at outreach. I um I appreciate your perspective. I uh that's helpful. We are this episode is coming out and I think it's it'll come out on March 12th, which is the last day of Unleash, which is the conference that you've spent a lot of time and energy along with a bunch of other people putting on this year. Just walk us through that process. What are you hoping comes from the conference? 
Because you mentioned earlier, right, that you, Sales Hacker got out of the conference business and moved to sort of a digital webinar content business. So tell us about Unleash and what it's been like and what you're proudest of and, and what you hope comes out of it. Yeah. So our goal is to build, you know, an industry conference, a, a conference, a sales engagement conference for the industry, not just a, you know, user conference or customer conference. So there are a lot of people who are, you know, I'd say prospects in the audience, but people who aren't technically outreach customers right now and are just genuinely interested in understanding modern sales and sales engagement. So we want to keep building up this event. We want to make sure that it feels very enterprise oriented or, you know, white glove, high touch. We want you to come and feel like our product feels where this was just really well put together. This is, you know, you can trust it. It's reliable. It's well done. Every, you know, detail has been taken into consideration. It, it is a reflection of us. So we want to make sure that everybody comes and, and does feel like, wow, like these guys really care about what they do. And we're, we're trying to grow it, but grow it steadily and not in a way where it's just like, let's have every frontline SDR there and yeah, bring 20 people from your company. It's like, Maybe later, maybe like when it's much bigger. But for now, we want to keep it director level and above sales development, sales operations, you know, focus, sales leadership, and people who are really want to come to learn, want to come to meet others, not sell their own, you know, sell their products or anything like that. So we are keeping it really high quality, as you can tell from the lineup. Some really amazing speakers there. I agree and, with that. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited to have Wim Hof, you know, the, the Ice Man as well, and yeah, it should be a good event. We have so March twelfth will be that, and then also the the day that we release the book on sales engagement, which you can find on uh, Amazon as well. Oh, so that's I mean, and it's today. If you're yeah. listening out there, it's today. So go yeah. to Amazon and get is the book is called Sales Engagement. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're almost out of time, Max. Always a great conversation with you. I want I want to leave the audience. You you have such a unique approach to life. So give us some advice. You know, you've written a book on hacking sales and hacking careers. So one of the pieces of advice earlier you mentioned is, you know, try to solve a problem by working from the working backwards, reverse engineer the problem starting yeah. with the outcome that you want. But what are when you're advising companies or advising people, what are the common themes that you keep repeating over and over that sort of form the core of of your personal philosophy? Yeah, it really depends on the situation. I think like one of the things that, that has gotten me furthest in my career is always finding ways to help others and being as, as helpful as I could possibly be um, with my time, being positive, being somebody on, you know, if you see a lot of my posts on LinkedIn or, or wherever else you read my stuff, I come from a, an angle of positivity, hopefulness, and realness, authenticity that's, you know, hey, the, the situation might not be the best right now, but like, you know, here are the things we need to do to fix it. Let's have solutions for problems and not the other way around. So I'd say like approaching everything with that kind of like, all right, let's solve it mindset. Let's compartmentalize this thing. Let's break it down and let, then let's attack, you know, let's find a different way in, you know, what, what's a way we could be scrappy about it. Just because you're at a big company doesn't mean that you have to go spend money on something. You know, how can we do this without spending a dollar? How do we build relationships at scale when you're at a company that's doubling year over year and you are stretched thin it's like all right well we need to be very creative about you know how we approach things we need to do we need to be very creative about you know partnering with 
people like you and the New York Revenue Collective and, and the other Revenue Collective locations and saying, all right, here's how here's how we can get in front of a lot of people and, and provide value for them. And sometimes it's uh, you have to spend a little money and sometimes it's you have to get on a plane. Sometimes it's you have to spend a little extra time on LinkedIn sharing nuggets of vulnerability or value or wisdom or whatever it is to, you know, I- interact with your audience. And I think like in a lot of ways, um, there's no easy way, but you can definitely think outside the box. That's good advice. And I think you're absolutely right about helping other people. I think that that is um, coupled with optimism. That's how you, you just have to maintain that every day. Oh yeah. Um, Business karma. That's it, man. Folks are out there listening. Are you, I mean, you're, you're pretty active on LinkedIn. So I guess if you, if they want to reach you and interact with you, they can do that on LinkedIn. They can comment on any of your posts, connect with you. Is that accurate? Yeah. LinkedIn's the place to find me. Um, you got the book coming out on Amazon under sales engagement and, uh, yeah, shoot me an email. I'm glad you're listening to the sales hacker podcast. Sam, you're doing a fantastic job. I think it shows in the amount of listeners we've got in such a short amount of time. And we're excited to continue making the show better and better and bring on amazing guests and, you know, shoot me and Sam a note. If you have any suggestions for guests, we're always looking to make sure that uh, we got the best, best and the brightest on, right? Yeah. And we want, we want more diversity. I think this is a run. It's March 12th. I think like the last four or five people have all been white men. So if you're out there and you've got some candidates that reflect different walks of life, different ethnicities, different genders, please get in touch with us because we want to showcase diversity. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Max, thanks for being on the show. I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. This is Sam's Corner, and we were honored to have on today's show Max Altschuler, who founded Sales Hacker, who is an early sales employee at Udemy, who now runs marketing at Outreach in addition to continuing to run Sales Hacker, and who has been a guest and a prominent thought leader, particularly for people new to their careers um, here at Unleash in San Diego, but also just generally. And Max shared a lot of really important insight not about you know how to run a B2B sales team or SDR comp plans or things like that, but just how to think about your life and how to think about problem solving. And Max approaches problems by thinking about the end result and then working backwards, reverse engineering the process based on what he wants the end result to be. I think the other thing that he does is he fundamentally questions assumptions about how things must work. And it's really, it's been impressive to watch him build these companies and create his own path, blaze his own path. You know, he mentioned he went to Bali to write the first book and he went to Bali because, well, because it's beautiful and he's Max, but also because it's on a totally different time zone. And so when he woke up, everybody else was going to sleep. And so he would wake up without interruption and write for, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours straight. He also outlined the book beforehand and cobbled together sort of user-generated content from all of these interviews that he'd done. And so in many ways, the book essentially wrote itself and he has a whole framework for it. He mentioned that the book is 30,000 words. All of these are insights into how he deconstructs some uh, seemingly not impossible, but seemingly difficult, complicated, and amorphous problems. And then the, the other thing I would say, just if, if you know Max, is he takes the approach of questioning conventional decisions and he comes up with his own perspectives and his own insights. And so he's created a life for himself based on an ability to understand how problems can be solved creatively. 
and how value can be created at the enterprise and individual level, and then not necessarily adhering to what other people say or articulate the path should be. I think that's particularly important in these days because careers are ever-changing. We're turning over jobs more often than we ever have. And so it's really, really important that you develop your own personal framework for how to manage your life and how to proceed through your life. And uh, I just, I really, um, I have a lot of respect for Max and uh, and for, for the work that he's done building both Sales Hacker and this podcast, but of course, just how he's managed and charted the course of his life. So I thought it was a great interview. Super excited to know him and, uh, and thanks for listening. Before we go, of course, we want to let you know that you can share this content anywhere that you think is appropriate. We would love it if you told your friends. Uh, we would love that if you shared with uh, other folks. We would love it if you bought the new sales engagement book, which I believe is out uh, as of this recording that is published in conjunction with Outreach and with Manny Medina, I think is a big contributor, the CEO of Outreach. And then finally, of course, we want to thank our sponsors for the episode. Big shout out to Chorus, the leading conversation intelligence platform, and Outreach, the leading sales engagement platform. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you made it to Unleash in San Diego. And if you didn't, we will see you next year. But thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.